ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! to the May 29, 2022 episode of the Boxing Source Radio Show. I am your host, Shane Spell, the leader of the Boxing Source on social media. You can catch all our news, notes, and whatever it is through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, you name it, we got it, you know, and what we got here for this particular episode is something where we're going to go in depth about the event that happened over at the Barclays Center yesterday and a few things coming off of that. Plus, you know, we have uh, some good time here. We will look ahead to the following week's action, which does include some world title bouts in the lightweight and the super bantamweight division so we got a good number of stuff that we're going to be talking about here but um you know we we just gotta we gotta we gotta chop down you know what was going on over at the barclays center man uh main event of course with the gavante tank davis versus rolando roley romero for the wba lightweight championship the wba regular lightweight title uh, of course, the super title is held by George Cambosis Jr., which we will talk about later. But, you know, we just want to get in this thing here with uh, Tank Davis and Roland Romero. Of course, this is like a grudge match of sources. You know, both of these guys have been chopping it up back and forth in reference to, you know, a potential fight uh, against each other, right? And the thing about it is, is that, you know, of course, in the weeks leading up to this particular bout and the days leading up to this particular bout, it was mainly, you know, uh, Rolando Romero kind of like carrying trash talk for most of this um, in that, you know, he's going to say, listen, listen, I'm going to fight Tank Davis and I'm going to knock him out. You know, I'm knocking him out in one round. He, he's going to go down on the first punch that I throw, you know, pretty much something like that, you know. Um, and of course you had the whole thing with the, uh, that very first press conference, <laughs> both of them were drawn at it and, and, uh, you know, Romero's trainer, uh, bullet, uh, was talking trash and, and that man tank Davis called that trainer Booker T that was just, uh, I was like, yo, that, 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 that to me still, still gets me, man. When you call the man Booker T, man, come on, man. That, yo, that was, that was just bad, but still had uh, everything going down as far as like, you know, all this stuff about a rumor of the, the two guys supposedly having a sparring session with each other and, you know, uh, Roley claiming that Tink Davis uh, sidestepped the sparring session 
but you, you did see Tank Davis um, after the uh, weigh-in festivities talk with a few people as far as like saying that, hey, I got the evidence right here on my phone saying that, hey, when, you know, it's, it was time for Romero to come over and hit the gym for spar, he didn't show up. Uh, but, you know, it still was a lot of uh, back and forth, John, between the two uh, going into this particular bout. And, you know, it had, you know, people kind of like a little bit pumped for this bout. And, hey, once once that fight took place, you know, the atmosphere was just crazy. I was, you know, there at the Barclays Center, man, sellout crowd, <laughs> Over 18,000 people, they say it was almost like 19,000 people in attendance for this event. That was not like a fight card, but when, when that particular fight happened, it was an event. And I'll go through that a little bit later here, how, why, you know, I pretty much say that it was an event, you know, um, think about it is, is like, yo, um, uh, Roly Romero comes in there with the whole thing with the prince when doves cry. I was like, man, yo, that was crazy. And uh, the boo birds was out. The boo birds was out uh, there when Roly Romero was making his way to the ring. Uh, you know, he, you know, as far as like selling the fight, man, he really was doing that. He He did that part. You know, walking into the rain, you know, with a smug look on his face, you know, or a smirk on his face. <laughs> it was, it always looks like he has a permanent smirk on his face sometimes. Um, but he, he he came in there, walked into the ring. He was, you know, uh, he had a spring in his step, was bouncing up and down, you know, leaning on the ropes back and forth a lot of times, and you know, was getting himself loose. Uh, for the fight, and of course, Vontae Tank Davis uh, comes out there, and you know he has that song there talking about New York City, and the crowd was just going stupid. The crowd was going stupid, yo. And Tank Davis gets up there, walks up to the ring, steps up, them steps, gets to the entrance, uh, you know, gives a salute to the crowd or whatever it is. Steps in the ring, you know, hops, you know, around the ring, get himself loose, whatever it is. Goes to his uh, corner, the blue corner, hops over there, hops uh, across to the neutral corner. Then he gets near Roly Romero. And he just has that look, that look towards Roly Romero, man. And he was just there for like a few seconds, man, just... You know, him just looking right at Romero. Romero was talking. Tank Davis was just looking at him like, yo, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I can't really, <laughs> like, think like Tank, but I, I, like, I can't say it here real quick, but I, I mean, we might go through a little bit later, but yeah, he just had that look like, yo, you really don't know what you stepped into, didn't you? All right. So that was like the whole thing. Going into the introductions by Jimmy Lennon Jr., you know, Showtime, of course, um, gets in there. You know, they have the introductions. And the fight, you know, the fight just goes on, man. And, and the fight was, you know, kind of like a little bit more uh, than I expected. Uh, did, you know, have a prediction. 
uh, that was on the YouTube channel, still on the YouTube channel, uh, reference to Tank Davis and Rolly Romero. But uh, the first round was pretty much a, a, a filling out process, but it was more of uh, Rolly Romero kind of like using what he had in order to see if he had some type of an advantage. And that was his height and size. Um, you know, and we know that, you know, Tank Davis is uh, 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 one of the guys that's in the shorter end of the stick in the lightweight division. Um, and Rolly Romero is one of the taller guys actually in the uh, lightweight division. But, man, in, in that in that particular fight, man, Rolly Romero, yeah, he did make weight, you know, under 135 pounds, which is a lightweight limit. But in that ring, he looked solidly like 145. He looked like 145 in you know, and, you know, he had that 145, you know, and, and, and on top of that, on top of that, you know, it, it just, you know, looked like he was about what I'd say, what about like four inches taller <laughs> than Tank Davis, you know, and I know the, the measurements are like, you know, five, eight, five, five, but it just looked like a genuine uh, four uh, inch height uh, advantage, uh, therefore, uh, Rolly Romero. And, you know, I know that the uh, reach was talking about like 68 to uh, 67 uh, for Romero and Davis, respectively, but, you know, it just looked significantly different uh, seeing there in the ring. And so I, I just seen like Rolly Romero kind of like using his, using his reach and everything like that. And having, you know, some speed. He does have some good speed uh, there, you know, at lightweight. And he was using that to his advantage there to uh, try to catch Davis. Davis was trying to time him, uh, you know, sitting back, you know, there in the southpaw stand, sitting back, you know, taking a few, taking a few shots. It was pretty much similar to what you had, again, with Tank Davis and Leo Santa Cruz. We had a guy that was, you know, tall. Uh, had a good reach and was, you know, more active with his hands in, in, in Santa Cruz, was able to land shots on Tank Davis. And here with Rolando Romero, yes, he was able to land some shots on Tank Davis, um, but it was Tank Davis that was, you know, trying to, you know, catch uh, the jabs and the, and the uh, you know, the right hands from Rolly Romero, catching with counters, uh, catching with leads, uh, lead shots, and things like that, um, you know, nothing really where it was like he was touching up uh, Rolly Romero. It was almost like every single punch that Tank threw had bad intentions on it. Hooks, uppercuts, uh, uh, body shots, that type of thing. The only, like, the jabs, the SL jabs, they were more like body shots, like, you know, stabbing jabs. Bow, 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 right jab, bow, stabbing to the body, you know. Um, and that, that was pretty much like the story that you saw in those first couple of rounds was that, um, it was more of like a filling out process. Tank Davis was trying to get the timing down, uh, of Rolly Romero and that, um, you know, Romero, you know, was pretty active and, and looked, you know, kind of well, you know, for those first couple of rounds. But, you know, in like the fourth round, it looked, you know, for me, it was more of Rolly Romero kind of like saying, hey, wait a minute, Rolly Romero's doing some things. 
He's catching up with some good shots. He's throwing combinations. And there were times when Tank Davis, you know, would throw a shot. He would throw like a left hand. But when he throws the left hand, it's like Roland Romero would either throw right or left and then follow it up again. So it's like he was willing to take a shot in order to throw two or land two. And because of that, you've seen, you know, Roland Romero kind of like be a little bit successful uh, landing some good shots on Tank Davis. Um, but, you know, the thing about it is, is that once he did land some good shots, he ended up kind of. Uh, I would say smothering up his work a little bit, not really getting back to having his spacing, throwing the jab, setting up shots, throwing feints or anything like that. He didn't really do that uh, when he did actually uh, tag Tank Davis uh, pretty well, you know, over the course of uh, those rounds, like, you know, four and five or whatnot. But even when he did get some good shots in, Tank Davis like responded with some good either you know powerful jabs or lead left hands, bam! And like I said, every time it just seemed like Tank Davis landed on Romero, it just had like a little more oomph to it, bam, 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 and <laughs> bam, 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 real quick. Um, but it, it it just was like, hey man. Tank Davis was not out there to play around. Like, he was, like, trying to get this, that man out of there. I know that he was talking about, hey, he wants to get it to the point where he wants to force <laughs> Rowley's trainer to stop the bout. But in that particular, you know, those particular rounds, every single punch, like I said, just had bad intentions on it. And he was just trying to hurt that man every single time. You know what I'm saying? And so what ended up happening was is that, yo, there was a one point, I think it was like in the fourth or the fifth, where Tank Davis was looking for counter shots. And there was one point where Roland Romero reached out with the jab and Tank Davis like tried to get in with the uppercut, but he was just a little bit off and then they ended up going in the clinch. And he was like, I almost got him. I almost got him. Uh, but it was just, it, it just looked like he kind of knew that Roland Romero just didn't have enough tools to really mix things up. He already used all the weapons or all the tools in his shed, and that it was just a matter of time before uh Tank Davis was either gonna wear him down or just crack him with a good shot. And that's what ended up happening in the sixth round. He, you know, lured. He was, like, backing up, backing up, backing up. You know, and they had, like, posturing back and forth. And then, you know, Roland Romero just threw, like, a lazy jab coming in. And then Tank Davis just hit him with that left. Bow! And, <laughs> like I said, with, with the picture I got, <laughs> Roland Romero had a face-to-face -face meeting with the ring rope <laughs> and went down doo -doo 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 -doo. and that that was pretty much uh you know what got him down uh referee started to count Roland Romero got up but he was he was pretty much doing the stanky leg or whatever it is he was rocking side to side uh front back side to side and the referee said nah buddy nah buddy 
<laughs> you ain't going back out there. And so Tank Davis scored that six-round KO victory. 27 wins in his professional career. 25 of those wins now by way of knockout. Gervonta Tank Davis, WBA lightweight champion. Now, before I get more into this, I want to introduce uh, one of our longtime contributors to the show. Uh, coming in from the ATL, it is the boxing academic in the building. The boxing academic, ladies and gentlemen. What's going on? Hey, what's going on? How you doing today? Oh man, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm you know trying to get some rest, man. I had a lot that was a long night, bro. It was a long night. Uh I ain't actually <laughs> it was man, bro. I man, I ain't go to sleep until 6 a.m., bro. Uh like covering the fight or like doing other stuff? Well, after covering the fight, doing other stuff, you know, out there in in, in you know, going from Brooklyn to Manhattan. So by the time it, I was all done. It was like 6 a.m. You know, before I said, man, I'm stopping and you know getting some rest, bro. So yeah. Hey. Um Bobby Womack said it looked like daylight gonna catch me up again. <laughs> yeah, you sure did say that. <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah. I'm sure um I'm sure the crowd was awesome. You know, it seemed like they from the number that was announced that it was the largest um, attended boxing event at that arena. So, I mean, that's oh, obviously man. saying something, something positive. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing that, uh, you know, was told to uh, Leonard Ellaby, man. He, you know, he made that uh, announcement at the, uh, you know, the post-fight presser, you know, that it was, um, you know, after – after all that, it was eighteen thousand nine hundred and seventy people. So yeah, that was that was just uh, wild there, man. Yeah. So they doing something right. It'd be interesting to see what the price points for his tickets were, because you know obviously that has something to do with it too. If you comparing him to what, let's say, like a Deontay Wilder's price points were. That obviously means something. I mean, it ain't it ain't a normalized scale there. But I mean, I'm not taking away from the success, but you know, the definitely the ticket prices has to be taken into account. For example, when people used to say like Anthony Joshua and stuff, and his it seemed like their tickets cost like twenty five euro, you know, so <laughs> or the pay per views or whatever. That's what I meant to say, twenty five euro, which you multiply that times three, then you get the number that we pay over here in the U.S. So. That you know that matters, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, in but, reference to the um, yeah, the pay per views, yeah. But like you know, on the gate, the gates kind of like a different too. But yeah, the thing for um Tank Davis, they're saying like it was um, the gate could be almost to the point of five million dollars. Those those tickets were pretty pricey, um, you know, initially through Ticketmaster, they were pretty pricey, you know. And so what the the floor seats and the nosebleed look like? Uh the floor seats were like around what fifteen hundred plus to three thousand or something like that. Um I'll have to you know see if I could Google, you know, hit the Google history on that. Um but I mean that's pretty uh that's pretty substantial. Fifteen yeah, it is. for hundred you know, to three thousand. Yeah, that's uh 
that's pretty good if, if that was the price points for his floor seats. But I guess they also knew that they was gonna have a crowd full of of like stars and stuff too. So yeah, maybe yeah. the market sort of influenced that price point as well. Yeah, because I think um oh uh, well no, I was trying to look for it to see if they had a, a thing for it. Um, but like the re the resales on SeatGeek were you know pretty high, you know, so it looked like um you know, with that being pretty high, that meant the demand for those tickets were put, uh, up there. And, you know, like you were saying, um, you know, they, uh, what it was, um, had the stars out there. You know, you had Madonna, <laughs> Madonna out there. <laughs> Madonna was out there. Uh, Tracy Morgan was out there. Uh, you know, of course, you know, a few of the fighters is out there. Uh, Tarver, Zab Judah, Errol Spence. Gary Russell Jr., Sean Porter, Danny Garcia, Ryan Garcia, Demetrius Andrade. Um, who else I saw? The, uh, Gary An Antonio Russell. Um, shoot, yeah, there was there was a lot of them out there. Yeah, Errol Spence um, and my guy Kobe of Soldier Breedy. Uh, you know, was out there with um, his coach Floyd Seymour. Shout out to them. I was hanging out with them. Uh, you know. Uh, during the fight so shout out to them and shout out to their guy man uh Derek DC Curry uh there for uh you know being out there you know with you know with us and stuff like that so there was a good amount of you know stars out there attention and everything man it, it yeah it was a crazy scene out there bro crazy. yep yep yeah it looked like a good match uh in terms of the fight I think that I mean obviously no one can be disappointed I think people got from – I don't remember the first fight. I mean, the we, you ain't on the Laura fight, but, you know, the Laura fight didn't disappoint. Right. Um, I don't okay. remember the, the other fight, but, yeah. you know, the the co-main and the main, you, you – I mean, what, what else could you, could you ask for? You know, two people trying to win, and, yeah, one was overmatched. But uh, both was overmatched. But you know, mm -hmm. um, at least both of them was trying. And um, so Tank Davis fighting uh, Roly Romero, you could tell that he had a deliberate disposition of being patient. Like he wasn't pressing no issue. When he did get get the thought of pressing the issue, maybe in the second round he got hit with some real slick, and he was like, "Oh, le hey, let me uh, slow down." Cause this boy is strong, you know. He he like um, what's one of them superheroes that got like the big arms? That's how Roly Romero sort of is. He's just uh, <laughs> you know, you can tell he's sort of heavy handed, and is probably strong for that weight class. And again, he's very heavy handed. Um, I think he had a good account for himself. I think that. Someone said that uh, Tank said if, if if you can't hit, then the dude gonna give you a lot of trouble because he gonna come at you and be th throwing winging shots. Mm -hmm. And I would tend to agree. I mean, obviously he has flaws, but you know if he uses his 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 strengths, which is his ability to throw heavy shots and you know keep using that jab, <clears throat> the jab made the fight. More interesting, you know. If he if he wasn't jabbing, it would have been a less interesting fight. But Tank obviously had to 
evade the the jab and then the two that came behind the jab early mm -hmm. on because i mean shoot it was a live i mean he was a live person pretty early and then you know he had to get around the jab tank had to get around the jab so he pretty much was fighting off his back foot sort of making uh roley follow him trying to run roley into shots roley was being very disciplined and again he was using his jab which means he showed a good account of himself and then mm -hmm. you could tell after a certain point he just started getting a bit um I would probably even say I, I ain't gonna say it was careless. I think it was more so that Tank started allowing him to get comfortable, and he he forgot that he was in there with somebody who, um, you know, was also a big puncher. Right. Yeah. And then I think he threw two of the same shots, like a right hand to the body or whatever. And he threw it one time. I think it might have landed. He threw it again. <clears throat> and instead of him throwing it to the head, he threw it to the body again. And then, you know, Tank kind of had seen the shot. And then he countered. You know, he just threw a punch and countered. He just threw it like 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 a looping or even a hook. It was like a looping hook-ish punch. And he just threw it. You know what I'm saying? He just tried to, like, counter, get around the arm. And then Roley, like his momentum of him trying to go to the body, and his head was like right there. And he ran into the shot. Like he his momentum took him into the shot. And, you know, obviously we saw that with Pacquiao as well. And, you know, they related it to the Pacquiao knockdown. I mean, it was pretty similar. He got hit with the shot. It wasn't, it, I mean, it was a well-placed shot. It wasn't like he was, wasn't trying to throw it hard. He just like threw a good shot. And the yeah. dude ran into it, and then from there, I mean, I mean, it was a good decision to stop the fight. I mean, obviously he didn't have his legs under him. He he probably didn't know where he was. He he didn't know where he was. He, I mean, he would have just got hurt. Like it, it wasn't even no reason to, Word. yeah, to allow it to go. And so now, with them stopping the fight, which is the best thing, he still has the ability to like save his pride and you know talk crap and be like well you caught me and you know if it happened again i'll bust your butt you know what i'm saying i'll bust your ass and stuff like that so i don't think he would have said that if tank if they would have let tank back up back on him when he was like really compromised mm -hmm. and he could have been hurt you know he could have been seriously hurt so he had a good account of himself i think that his stock raise, even in getting knocked out, I would say Roley's stock raise. Roley uh, probably impressed more people than he didn't impress them. You know, obviously that was a function of the way Javante Davis chose to fight him. But Tank had to fight him that way. He had to fight him to where he sort of let some steam off. But I think Roley raised his stock in getting knocked out. He raised his stock. And, I mean, he'll be a tough match. He probably will lose, but I'm just saying, I, I mean, I don't know. I would have to see him against like a tear down to see how he does. Mm -hmm. But if he jabs, you know, he, if he jabs and throw them hard shots, that's. I mean, the jab is what's going to keep him in fights and then them, them, them big, you know, uh, slug fist. Is what what's going to like, you know, equalize. So. Yeah, I think he raises raises stock personally. Yeah, he did. I mean, he you know he made himself you know be more of like a marketing 
uh, genius being like the heel of sorts uh, there in, you know, um, your immediate reactions to, you know, his uh, ring walk and, you know, his introduction and stuff like that it says like, you know, he knows how to sell a fight and he does have enough skills to be a tough out with uh, anybody that's out there in the lightweight division. And, you know, you know, like you said, with him, you know, having this uh, knockout and it was more of like a, you know, one punch knockout. So it's not like, you know, he was, you know, seriously, seriously hurt almost like, you know, the point like um, uh, in the Barclays Center years ago when Deontay Wilder knocked out Archer Spilka. It wasn't like that. Um, it, it was somewhere he got knocked in. Like I said, he had a meeting with the ring rope and he got up and did the stinky leg or whatever it was. And he was still okay, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but uh, <laughs> there was reports that uh, when he was walking out, out of the ring and he was there with his dad, he's like, yo, what happened? Uh, what, what, which one of y'all hit me? Or something like that, you know? But uh, he still was able to, you know, talk on the post-fight press conference and said that he wants, <laughs> he said that he wanted a rematch <laughs> with, with Tank Davis, uh, he, he he said like uh, you know he you know didn't think that uh, uh, he uh, did um, uh, that Tank did very well. Uh, he said like he exposed Tank Davis that he won every single round, uh, he, or he said he had Tank running running like a bee the entire fight that he was terrified of him. Or something like that, and I'm like, oh my god, man, yeah, he he's he's really you know marketing himself like he he's putting himself in demand to see him in the ring, you know, once again, and it doesn't necessarily you know have to be against Tank Davis uh, yet again, but you know it could be against somebody else there in the lightweight division. Uh, I said it was very deep, and I know that uh, you got guys like uh, Tank Davis. I mean, not Tank Davis, but George Cambosis and Devin Haney that are pretty much booked up. Uh, you could have, you know, him against someone like a, I don't know if they'll put him in against the Eastside Cruz. I don't know if that matchup would make uh, much sense for for uh, them and uh, Mayweather promotions uh, there. But, I mean, that's possible. Uh, they also got, you know, Michelle Ali Rivera. So, hey, that, hey, that could be a pretty good fight right there. Uh, you know, Roley there versus uh, – Ali Rivera, you know, um, and, you know, they got a few other guys that are available in the lightweight division that could, you know, make for some good matchups. So, uh, Roley Romero, you know, he did make a good enough account of himself in this particular bout, you know, and, uh, you know, probably people would want to see him in the future because, I mean, in a sense, um, boxing, you know, professional boxing or whatever it is, it's kind of like wrestling uh, to a certain extent. You know, it's more about, you know, I know that there's people that, you know, guys or fans want to see, you know, because they, they they like the guy. But they're a good amount of – but the some of the most successful fighters are the ones that fans want to see lose. And you know that, you know, someone like a Floyd Mayweather kind of like – you know, uh, uh, you know, adjusted and and, and kind of like adopted that and made that into his own 
and it made him the most successful fighter, uh, you know, financially of all time. You know, uh, Muhammad Ali had that particular type of uh, aura to him, you know, after a certain extent. But, you know, there was still a good amount of fans that really loved Muhammad Ali when he was active, too. But like I said, man, and like wrestling, if you have the heel, you want to see the heel lose. And it didn't matter, you know, how good the, the face is or whatever it was. You just wanted that guy to beat the to beat the heel. So I think with Rolando Romero, they could kind of like have something there with him to like kind of like say, hey, man, I just want to see this guy get knocked the fuck out, you know, and maybe they are able to have some type of matchups like that. Maybe they could have a fight between him and Isak Cruz or, like I said, him against Ali Rivera. Those are, you know, guys that are, you know, pretty good, uh, could be pretty good matchups for him. So, you know, we'll probably see something like that there in the near, uh, in the future for Roby Romero. I mean, it's, it's his first loss um, very early in his career, so to speak. I mean, he only had like, what, 14 fights or so? He had 14 fights before this. 14 fights, 12 of those wins uh, by way of knockout before and losing to Tank Davis. So he's still got a good amount of career out there uh, that form. So there's that. Or maybe some somehow, some way, they could have another fight with Jackson Mourinhoz or something. Say that Mourinhoz has some unfinished business, wants to get that back. So maybe you do have that uh, for Broly Romero. But he definitely took that responsibility of being the heel very well over the course of the promotion for this particular bout and you know kind of like made that into his own and it kind of like made the event itself be really good you know what i'm saying so is that i uh, want to add in another contributor to the uh, podcast uh checking in from tampa uh his brother terrell you know is looking forward to uh next weekend's action but Let's see uh, what he has as far as like thoughts for what happened over at the Barclays Center with Tank Davis and Roly Romero. Brother Terrell, what's going on? Hey, what's up, guys? How's everybody doing? All good, my man. All good. Uh, doing well. How you doing? Good, 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 good. I mean, I mean, first of all, I, I like 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 I, you you just uh, kind of detailing there, Jr. The the build up to this fight was actually outstanding. I mean, I mean, whether or not the stuff was the stuff they were talking was real or not. These guys sold this fight. They definitely sold this fight with the hyperbole, the insults, all that stuff like that. And once again, that's like you can only find this in boxing mm -hmm. where you got this type of trash talk, this type of reaction, studying things like that. Even, uh, what was it, uh, Friday, whatever it was, when uh, they were doing the uh, the, the weigh-in face of whatever, yep. when Tank actually pushed this guy off the stage. I mean, I mean honestly, you think about it. He pushed the guy off the stage. It's simple. It, it was simple, but... He could have got hurt. He could have twisted ankles, something like that. Something like that could have stopped the fight. Once again, only in box do you see this, see crap like this, whatever, right? But thank God we got to see the fight. Uh, uh, honestly, I mean, I, I, even though Rody took a, a the, the TKO loss and everything, his stock actually went up. And the reason why I say that, the way he he went into the fight, the way he fought, composed, no wild style thing like that. Not throwing a wild punch. He, he fought a, a nice composed fight, which is something that he's he's not typically known for. Because uh, going into the fight, he, we already knew they had he had like a, an awkward style, things like that, right? But he actually fought a composed fight. Mm -hmm. uh, so so kudos for his stock for that. Even though he got he got knocked out, his stock actually went up. So we should be seeing him in some um, 
it's more matchups here in in the in the future and things like that. So uh, I'm not sure whether he could uh, on on what what type of people he would fight. But if they match him correctly and build him up from this point, he could have, he could have a decent career. And everything I mean, not, not only that, just uh, decent paydays to go along with that. But with that said, do you guys know how, how much was Roley's purse last night? Anybody know? Um, I haven't seen what the purse would be. Um, you know, it's probably well, I don't think it's like anything. It was probably like five hundred k, but I mean, I'll look. Uh, to see what it is because usually the base purses ain't really uh that much uh you know for uh the you know these fights um but um probably you know he you know got a good good amount uh there for uh this particular bout um yeah that's yeah it looks like around 500k is what what i'm what i'm seeing um and they said, like, for Tank Davis, the guaranteed purse is around, like, $2 million, you know, or something like that. Okay. Um, but, you know, that's not, you know, to me, that's not really confirmed. Um, this is through Sporting News uh, that they say it's going to be guaranteed. Like, Tank Davis had a guarantee of $2 million and Rolly Romero had a guarantee of, like, 500000 And, of course, you know, the whole thing with the pay-per-view buys, too, kind of, like, boosted up a little bit, maybe. So... If it's like that, you know, two million five hundred thousand for a total purse, then that's you know that's not that bad. Um, you don't really need top-notch numbers uh, on pay-per-view in order to cover those costs. So if he got you know two two hundred thousand pay-per-view buys or whatever it is, or about two hundred fifty thousand pay-per-view buys or something like that, it should that should about you know, be good enough for, uh, you know, making money or something like that. But it was like I said before you got on there, Brother Sherell, they had a sellout of, you know, almost 19,000 people in attendance for, for that uh, for that event. And that was an event. That, that, was, that was not like a fight card. That was an event because, you know, for reals, like the crowd that was there, for the pay-per-view, they really they really weren't feeling nothing until the main event. Even with you know Eris Landy Lara, you know, taking out uh Gary Spike O'Sullivan, it was more about you know everybody was there to see Tank. So that you know, having that type of event like be that successful from a box office standpoint, you know, that that's 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 great. But it kind of like goes to his overall star power. You know, Atlanta, L.A., Texas, New York, you know. Yeah, and just from that point, like I said, even though that's not a lot of money for, for Roley, uh, definitely price, uh, definitely career-high payday for him. But like I said, if his team can recognize the opportunity that they had that with their exposure. Because at this point, like I said, like you guys talking about, he definitely paid the perfect heel. But, but if they can look past that, further develop his boxing skill set, things like that, make him to a better fighter, better boxer. We know the guy has power. We know that. Because even even in the post fight interview, I was kind of surprised to hear or where Tank saying, "No, not yet. Not going to just rush in because the guy's strong." You don't always hear fighters say that. A fighter mm -hmm. doesn't say that, especially the champion, things like that. So if Roller can be developed, he can pick this guy with the right fights. This guy can have some some decent fights and make some good money in this, within the sport of boxing, things like that. So, so I mean, with with the exposure on on a pay per view. 
He's also on Showtime's uh, All Access, things like that. Yep. So he's already, he's already done something that so many fi fighters have not even had a chance to that have been in the industry for a long time, been on pay-per-view and had that type of exposure. So they need to properly capitalize on that in order to properly build them up even more. Yeah, uh, and and the thing was, it's like, you know, they, they were developing Tank Davis to be the guy like uh, the pay-per-view guy, like Floyd Mayweather. Uh, from a from a pop culture standpoint, and you know he you know Tank Davis has his relationships with you know various people in entertainment and, and you know sports or whatever it is, and you know also pop culture, and that is you know kind of like skyrocketed his popularity among the you know what is it the eighteen to uh, thirty five age group, and so. You know, what you saw, you know, in there was a lot of those uh, people, you know, wanting to see Tank Davis in a fight. And it, it just kind of like goes into the whole thing with the, you know, the quote unquote casual fan in that if you're going to see a boxing fight, most likely you're going to go in there to see if someone's going to get knocked out. And with Tank Davis, given his knockout ratio, that's what, you know, people expect. That's why it's basically an event. You know wherever he goes now so that's what you know they kind of like we're seeing here in, in in this particular bout and they got you know they got what they were looking for you know i almost got what i was looking for i i, I predicted tank ko5 but it ended up being the sixth round uh but you know everybody you know got, <laughs> you know most you know the fans there got what they were you know looking for so um that you know was uh you know, uh, uh, satisfying in there to that particular bout. Um, and, you know, like I said, I mean, it's just uh, a matter of what would be next uh, there for Tank Davis. Um, I know that there was one particular fighter that was in attendance uh, at this bout that did lose some money, uh, but he was in attendance at, at this particular bout by the name of Ryan Garcia. And uh, Ryan Garcia is uh, slated to fight once again in July, um, you know, under the Golden Boy banner. Uh, but after that, they gotta they gotta be like full speed ahead and trying to make the fight between uh, him and Tank Davis because, I mean, some some people around boxing circles have said it before. Tank Davis versus uh, Ryan Garcia is is going to be the biggest fight in boxing it's going to be the biggest fight in boxing because you have both of those guys you know young undefeated um you know flashy you know in in their own sense and they have a following a big following both of them do so you so, saying big in terms of casual fan appeal yeah 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 yep yep like i said pop culture you know social media stuff followers that type of thing, you know, it's it's that whole you know thing that people were talking about with the Jake and Logan Paul joint, right? You know, Ryan Garcia, you know, be around the Paul brothers, but he kind of like, kind of like grasped the, you know, the the um concept of bringing those followers to your fights. That's how you would make money. And I know that um you know his last bout, uh, Ryan Garcia against Emmanuel Tego. Yeah, it was Manuel Tego, um, but it still was like around a million dollars or something like that for a live gate. Um, and 
you have him against Tank Davis, who, you know, almost like pulled. It might be a $5 million live gate uh, there at the Barclays Center for yesterday. Um, that's going to be a really, really lucrative fight uh, for all parties involved. We just got to, you know, get the final pay-per-view numbers for this for this one. And it, it, it just puts in all the, you know, all the elements for this fight to happen. You can't. Can't go back on it now. I know that Ryan Garcia was talking that trash last year about, oh, we're trying to make a fight with Tank Davis, and then he switches up, and he says, oh, it might be against Manny Pacquiao, and it was like a whole type of mess. But now you can't you can't miss this. You can't miss out with this one. And I know it's going to be probably sometime early next year, I would say, because of the events that are coming up this year but they still gotta be able to say we gotta make this fight happen while we got the momentum for it you know what i mean well the thing the thing about that was interesting about all that all that was you're speaking about right now is we already know that tank's contract with with uh mayweather's up right and from that point what it looks like it looks like he's going to continue to work with al Heyman to get his fights things like that and what's what's more interesting too tank is demanding big fights now he's tired of having that label on him of like I haven't really fought anybody, things like that. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it, he, he has not fought a marquee name at 135. He has not. He has not. He's definitely entertained us. He's definitely built himself up into a, a pay-per-view star uh, with his gate totals and things like that. So Santa Cruz ain't a marquee name? I said at 135. At 135. Oh. Okay, I didn't know what division it was. I got you. Yeah. So so what I said, the main thing, he's demanding the big fights. We all know he, he's not going to be able to touch Haney even though they're going back and forth right now, which is good, which is good. It's good. You know, but Hayes locked up for at least to uh, uh, the middle of next summer before he's done with what's going on with Cambosa, things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So other than that, I mean, the, the Garcia fight could happen this year. And, and the reason why I say that, uh, we know Canelo's coming back in March to fight Triple G. I'm sorry, in September. So that date's locked up. Uh, mm-hmm. It's possibly for either October or December. Yep. With, uh, I think Crawford, Crawford, uh, Spence being target for November, so that's not going to happen. Things right. like that. But the main thing, Tank wants a big fight, and he and and at this point, at this point now, he's putting he's going to put the onus on uh, Al Heyman to get that done for him. And at this point, there's no reason why it should not happen. They want it, the fans want it, and then it makes perfect financial sense for everybody involved, for both parties, both sides, things like that. So, I mean. I'm I'm glad that Tank is finally gonna have his independence and hopefully because yeah, uh, Al Hammer can make the magic oh. work like that. So, and well, I mean, well, on that note, it, I I kind of like said it even before this fight is, and this came from first it came from uh, Coach Calvin Ford, you know, of course the head trainer there for uh, Gravante Tank Davis. It you know he says it's more of like Gravante having the training wheels being taken off. Uh, there for, you know, Mayweather promotions because, you know, in, in previous fights when he's had a lot of those fights, you really didn't see Tank Davis really talk that much. It was more of, you know, uh, Floyd talking or it was like Leonard Elby talking or something like that. But over the past few fights, you've seen him kind of like be more vocal, more, you know, uh, talkative. Um, you know, his delivery is, is there better, you know, like, like we were saying earlier, uh, reference to trash talk, he, he has all of that down. Uh, so it's more of like him saying, okay, now I'm ready to be 
on my own and, and push myself on my own where I don't really need, you know, my promoter or co-promoter or anybody like that to really talk for me. I got it. I got it. And so they're just saying, hey, all right, you got it. Go ahead. You you can you can fly. We're, we're, we're letting you go out into the air. You better start flapping your wings like Coco Beware or something. You know what I'm saying? So he's out there flying. And, you know, like I was saying, he, he wants those big fights. Um, and with him being in the lightweight division, um, I think there's um, only one fight that's available for him right now since there's a couple of guys that are pretty busy as as actually as of right now they they're pretty much having a press conference and that's you know george cambosa jr and devin haney so they have their whole thing going down so to me that leaves one person out there Vasil momachenko and i think that is going to be the next fight in line for tank davis if it's not ryan garcia it's going to be Vasil Lomachenko. And I think that one is to be like where or people still think that Lomachenko's the pound pound grade, the, 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 the maestro in the ring and all that type of stuff. And Gavante Tank Davis is like, yo, let me get him in the ring. Get him in the ring. His trainers are like, get Lomachenko in the ring. They call him Lemonchenko. So they're like, get him in the ring. And that would be the big fight that, you know, really could catapult him as far as like, okay, <clears throat> fight him. All right. You can't say that he's, you know, going up against, uh, quote unquote, guys that aren't supposed to be in the ring with him, you know? So let, uh, I was going to call him Lomachenko. Lomachenko, uh, I would feel like it's a fight for Tank Davis if it's not going to be Ryan Garcia. Yeah. A quick question for you guys, real quick. So right now we're talking about Tank versus Lomachenko or Tank versus uh, Ryan Garcia. Mm -hmm. Again, Tank is going to be independent of Mayweather from that contract. He's still going to pretty much be an uh, independent entity and work with Al Heyman. Will there be any re reluctance to make those fights happen from the Al, Al Heyman perspective? And those guys are with top rank. No, no. Um, to quote the words of WBO welterweight champion Terrence Crawford, if it makes sense, the fight will get made. If it doesn't make sense, then the fight won't get made. Um, and I think fights against Vasil Lomachenko and fights against Ryan Garcia make sense. You know, the, my thing with Lomachenko is I think he's affordable. You know, I think he's affordable from a, from a purse standpoint. So, like, you know, you're going to say, hey, uh, oh, that's Lomachenko would want like $3 million or something like that. No, 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 no. Like, when it comes to the lightweight division, the two, like, it's Tate Davis and it's Devin Haney that pulled the biggest purses in the lightweight division. Everyone else is pretty much like a million dollars or below, maybe. I mean, it, that's what it's looking like, you know. So I would say like someone like a Lomachenko is is affordable, it's manageable, it's doable. And Al Heyman would be like, hey, uh, let me uh, make a phone call to Bob Aram and, you know, say like, hey, Bob Aram, uh, if you still have Vasil Lomachenko in the contract, we want to make a deal for him to fight 
uh, Devontae Tank Davis, you know, and we'll pay such and such amount of money. And Bob Aaron would be like, well, look, I know, you know, Vasil Lomachenko is a great fighter. But look, you're going to have to pay more money. <laughs> and that's how the whole back and forth negotiation will be. But some will eventually get worked out because with, with Tank Davis selling out arenas, it don't matter if it's, it's like I said, Atlanta, whether it's like San Antonio or something. Yeah, San Antonio, right uh, with the with the uh, 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 Santa Cruz, uh, the the Los Angeles with the Eastside Cruz, uh, and then here in um, in Brooklyn, uh, here with Roly Romero. Uh, he'll he'll sell out another thing, but if not, uh, but if it's against Lomachenko, they may send it over to Las Vegas. Law, I mean Las Vegas. I mean Las Vegas, Nevada. Levante Tank Davis versus Vasil Lomachenko, or it would be Tank Davis versus you know Ryan Garcia in Las Vegas. Both of those fights are going to be in Las Vegas. You know, both of those fights I would say would be in Las Vegas. That's how much interest that's how much money that those fights can generate and so i say it's like either one of those two fights for tank davis here if he wants to have big fights going forward um after those two i don't know what else would be out there for him unless if he stays at 135 and potentially even though i don't see this quite happening quite happening i don't think he uh uh um call it would give him up <clears throat> but you also have Devin Haney if he goes to those two fights with Cambosis, uh, or if one person goes up one more division, Shakur Stevenson could be one of those guys. But right now, the two fights for Tank Davis against Ryan Garcia and Vasil Lomachenko there at 135. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And uh, just and just looking back once again at last night for, you know, I was I was actually observing Tank's performance. I said him actually his his fighting style, things like that, uh, his movement around the ring. Uh, one of the first things that came up to me around the third round is how would he how would he, how would he project against Shakur Stevenson, master mm-hmm. boxer at a young this young age. Uh, he got a few years he's few years younger than Tank. I think Shakur Stevenson around 24, 25, where Tank's around twenty, right. So, I'm like, man. I said, you know, honestly, I said, I think it'll be a great fight. It's definitely going to be a great fight when and if it happens. But yeah. I think that uh, even right now, Stevenson has the, the boxing ability advantage above Tank Davis. Now we know at 135, Tank has to equalize with that big right hand and the power. We know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, but both hands, he has power in both hands. We know that. But I think uh, if I'm if I'm Shakur Stevenson, I'm like. I kind of would be climbing like, hey, y'all need to – I want to fight this dude right now because <laughs> I know I can beat him. I mean, because the thing about it, fight on top of that. But at the same time, I'm like – I'm looking at the fight like, wow. I said, I think Stevenson would really give Tank a lot of battle problems and things like that. And even even an outlier, someone like a Teofimo Lopez, who's, who's, who's basically on the sidelines watching and things like that. Uh, so basically what I'm saying, no fighter is unbeatable. Right, and at this point in time, someone like like says Shakur Stevenson, he probably sees some advantages that he can exploit. Even even Tio, 
uh, for definitely bring a good size advantage and things like that. But we need to see him back in the ring first before we can uh, pass further judgment on him to see what he's capable of. I mean, with Tank, Tank don't throw enough punches, so I think a lot of the guys will at least compete with him if if they don't or before they get knocked out, they will compete with him because out of sheer volume, he going to be down on rounds unless he hurt somebody. Yeah. Yeah, what it, what it was saying, um, you know, for, for the fight for CompuBox, it was like he threw like 35 or landed 35 total punches or something like that over the course of those six rounds. So, you know, he's just sitting there waiting, 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 waiting. Bam, bam, bam. You throw something, I'm going to throw a counter. Bam. You know, um, he doesn't like really, it doesn't like seem like he's very assertive as far as like coming forward with the jab and things like that. Does he have that ability? Yes, he does. But it's more of like he wants to wait for his opponent to make a mistake and make them pay for it. So that's what we, you know, got out of Tank Davis, uh, you know, particularly in this fight against Rolando Romero, where he just waited for Romero to make a mistake and then he just, you know, popped him uh, for it. You know, even though Romero was game for a good amount of those rounds and, you know, was, you know, fighting back when uh, Tank Davis was throwing a couple of shots when it was like square up. So, um, you did get a pretty good action fight out of this. I don't know what some of these people are saying, talking about, oh, that was a boring fight or whatever. No, it wasn't. You you got something where you had a you know what the crazy part about it is is that some of these some of these columnists and journalists or whatever it is will call something like that boring. But if it's a couple of other guys that they pretty much like lean towards, they'll say it's a great tactical fight. But that's you know a whole nother story. But I just I'm just saying that there straight up and straight out, you know, because if it's like a good tactical bout, and like you know what I say at the, at the end of these shows, point of boxing is to hit and not get hit. Isn't that the point of boxing? I thought that was the point of boxing. I thought that was part of the Queensbury rules of boxing. Definitely. But it looks like some of these columnists are kind of leaning more towards the people that they kind of call casuals. But that's a whole nother thing too. Um yeah. So so there's that. But that kind of like wraps up the 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 combo uh for now in reference to Tank Davis and Roland Romero moving forward. We got next week uh big the big bout in lightweight finally gonna happen undisputed the real undisputed the undisputed of undisputed or whatever they want to call it in the poster that they had for a promotional poster. But it's the undisputed lightweight title about George Cambosa Jr. versus Devin Haney. Both of these guys are undefeated. George Cambosa Jr. is the unified lightweight champion. Devin Haney is the WBC lightweight champion. You could go on the WBCboxing.com page. You can look at the thing for world champions. Click on lightweight, and they will show you right there that Devin Haney is the WBC champion. All right, so because of that, and because the IBF, the WBO, and the WBA call Devin Haney the WBC champion, that means that there is a dispute as to who there will be an overall champion, right? So there's that. Now, 
It just looked like they had the press conference there over in Australia. It's going to be Marvel Stadium, Australia, uh, for uh, Saturday, June 5th in Australia. Friday, you know, it will be Friday, you know, over here in the States or whatever it is, uh, something like that. Um, it's going to be it's going to be on real, real, real late uh, over here uh, stateside. Um, but George Cambosis Jr., of course, unified champion, defeated Teofimo Lopez, you know, scored a first round knockdown on Teofimo Lopez and, um, you know, did survive uh, being knocked down himself. Uh, in order to win the bout by decision to become the unified champion. Uh, of course, was looking for that deal, uh, the big deal, big network deal or whatever it was, in order for him to have more than one fight against someone. You know, and they were able to work something out. Had Devin Haney, you know, been bouncing around. He's been on Showtime. He's been on the zone. He's, you know, had his own deal. He has Devin Haney promotions, working as a free agent. Um, like I said, one of the highest paid lightweights out there. Um, but he ended up signing with the right promoter, Bob Arum, I guess, uh, for a multi-fight deal. In order to have a two-fight deal here with um, George Cambosa Jr. It's almost similar to the two-fight deal that Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury had when Tyson Fury signed. Uh, with top rank, but this time it's going to be back to back. It's not somewhere Tyson Fury can, you know, have a couple of fights and then there's that and whatever. So now it'll be the first fight, George Cambosis, Devin Haney. Um, it, I feel like it's going to be a very, very, very good fight. Um, George Cambosis, you know, initially didn't really, you know, give him that much credence uh, before uh, his bout against Teofimo Lopez, but in that fight against Teofimo Lopez, he was like very confident that he would beat Teofimo Lopez, and uh, he was able to do that. Um, and he's going to use his activity and his speed to kind of like try to get the better of Devin Haney. But I, I feel like you know Devin Haney isn't someone that's going to be uh, faster. Uh, you know he's uh, there. You know he's there. He's got a longer reach. He has a longer reach, even though he's shorter. He has a longer reach. Uh, and he's going to, you know, manage everything that's going to happen there um, in reference to um, going into this bout. Um, didn't necessarily uh, get any updates as far as like his father, Bill Haney, uh, being able to uh, go over to Australia. Hopefully that was situated or whatnot. Uh, but uh, if not, then uh, Haney will have, of course, you know, cards stacked against him in reference to that. But I think that he has enough experience and uh especially as a pro he's been fighting since he was like what 15 something like that you know had fights over in mexico um you know a few times before going fighting in the states so uh he'll be ready uh here for this particular bout here against george cambosis jr over in marvel stadium in australia man so uh first i want to go to terrell what, what's your early thoughts here about this particular fight yeah it's, it's crazy when you look at everything that's uh well, the cards stacked up against Haney. Uh, first of all, like you stated, he's going to definitely have the speed advantage, and that's going to need to be his key key thing, pumping that jab and just uh, being being first to the punch, things like that, right? But like I said, not not just that, uh, just uh, being demoralized, not having his father, not be able to come to the fight, and that's not that's no fault. It's no fault of nobody's. I mean, something that happened 30 years ago, you really can't fault nobody for that. Just, that's as we say, shit happens, right? 
and that doesn't come light until now in this into the situation. Uh, but one of the big things too is like the fact that when you look at the, the purse disparity, uh, basically at this point, I forgot the exact number of what uh, Haney's getting right now for this fight, and come in and being that like you said, he's been more he's been one of the more higher paid lightweight fighters. But for this fight, I forgot what number he's getting, but he's, he's basically getting, I'm not gonna say next to nothing, but you basically he's basically bent on stuff to make them to go in there, go out under and get the win and things like that. Because this his price in comparison to Campos's is like a big disparity right there. Yeah. But one of the another big thing too is the judges. I, I was reading this week. The, there's no, there's not gonna be an American judge. There's not gonna be an Australian judge. So I forgot where the judges are from, but so, because one, one of the, one of the, the thoughts of uh, that people have is like, oh, Haynes gonna go down there, put on a great performance, and get hosed by the judges. So once again, no judge from Australia, no judge from America. I forget, and I forgot, so I forgot where the judges are, where they're from. But, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's up to him. It's up to him. It's up to him. And the corner of uh, uh, Yoel jo uh, Judah, mm -hmm. getting through this fight and things like that. So, I mean, it's I mean, it's it's tremendous pressure, pressure. And like I said, with all the cars stacked up against him, things things not going, things seemingly not going this way. But that's what that's just, this is a part of boxing that we have to. It's also a part of boxing, the mental aspect. So despite despite fighting the fight itself, if you don't go in there with the right mindset, you're gonna lose things like that. So, so hopefully he can overcome all that. Uh, get good encouragement from his team while it's over there, from Yoel Judah, things like that, and going in and execute a good game plan despite what happens in the ring. And honestly, <laughs> I, I'm I'm just expecting something crazy for him to happen in, in in during the hopefully during the course of the fight where it's gonna you know, it's gonna be something like a, a flash knockdown being called against him, something like that. He this guy he he's he needs to prepare for everything any any and everything that can happen. Any and everything, so, so that's that's my viewpoint from this point. Yeah, I mean the thing for um, you talking about the purse payouts looks like uh, Cambosis could be paid up to ten million, uh, while Haney would be paid uh, two point eight million uh, for this particular bout. So that that's what the reports are floating out about. You know, this particular bout uh, for the purses on that. So, um, yeah, he's taking a significant amount of. Uh, money, uh, uh, less money there, especially in reference to the purse split, uh, that um, he is, um, you know, kind of like really putting the risk out there that he wants to say, hey, I'm just, I want to show the world I'm the best lightweight out there and I'll take a pay cut in order to get this fight here for the undisputed lightweight championship. And so that's kind of like how he's uh, moving, moving with that. Uh, boxing academic, what, what's your thoughts on this this fight uh, coming up uh, here next weekend? You got it. Boxing academic, uh, going once, going twice, but yeah. Oh, um, so my thoughts are I think it should be a good fight. I think that the clash of styles will make it interesting. I think Kimbosa's sort of you know come forward press the action style will clash nicely against uh, Devin Haney sort of, you know, it ain't uh, his style, whatever style he has. And, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if Devin raises his, his issue. It's sort of like, 
it's like just there. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. you know, it's not like <laughs> I'm trying to find good words here, but you maybe y'all get what I'm saying. Yeah, I think you said that he's pretty much pretty much gonna be a counter puncher. Because he can't just he can't just walk in. So it's gonna be employ a counter puncher, jab, 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 things like that. And just yeah. It's just a straightforward style. That's all I'm saying. It's, it ain't, it ain't, you know. But yeah, so uh, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, if they are fighting for the for the undisputed, then what belt does does Javante Davis have? If they fight for it, what belt does Javante Davis have? Uh, yeah, that is like I said, the WBA regular lightweight championships. That is similar to like what. Um, Erislandy Lara currently has with the WBA regular middleweight title. Yes, he defended that against Gary Spike O'Sullivan in that co-feature bout in the Barclays Center. But yeah, that's similar to what Tank Davis has. So the WBA Super Championship in lightweight division is held by George Cambosos Jr. So that's why it's like saying like, hey, um, is similar to like say if someone has the WBC um interim title. And that's basically what it is. It's interim title, uh, in a sense, you know. So that's kind of like how, how that uh WBA lightweight title is viewed. It's like an interim title, you know. But <laughs> with Tank Davis, it really doesn't matter uh what type of belts he has. It's the status that just makes him bigger than pretty much everyone else in the lightweight division. So but yeah, here it's 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 going to be undisputed. Cambosos uh, versus Haney, and yeah, like you said, it, it's going to be a little bit of different styles there. You know, I think uh, Devin Haney is going to be more of like a weighted out counter puncher type of style. Use a little bit of defense here and there, even though it's not like he's, you know, uh, like what I would say, like a uh, uh, hundred rating in defense. You know, if you were thinking like NBA Live or Madden, Madden NFL or whatever it is, like his defensive rating wouldn't necessarily be like 100 or 99 or something like that. But it's something to the point where he could, you know, see what Cambosis is doing and kind of like catch it and, and, and respond to it. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of like how that goes. Yeah, and what's, what's kind of curious in regards to that, prior to uh, uh, Haney being signed to fight Cambosis, Cambosis also also maintained, I want the best fight. I want to who, who's going to bring the best fight to me. Uh, that's when we know he beat Teofimo Lopez. Uh, we know how that fight transpired from that point. Uh, uh, and honestly, from that point, Cambosis that wanted uh, uh, what's my man? Uh, damn, Ukraine dude. What's my Lomachenko? Yeah, he, he wanted Lomachenko. He thought that he can give him the best fight, things like that. And even until, until that ha- when the events overseas that happened, which no one saw coming. Uh, when he's kind of, kind of, in a sense, forced to fight Haney, uh, and even Haney pointed out in the news conference, like, "Hey, you didn't want to fight me," and it, and that's something that Cambosa uh, would never even admit to, even now at this point. But uh, the thing about it, uh, Haney's been a, a, the champion for quite some time now, so he's not he's not the type of fighter that's gonna come in just just trying to coast, stay away things like that. He does engage when he does engage things like that, so. So we do uh, definitely do expect to see a good fight. And I said for Haney, there's no way in the world he can go in there and take it easy. That's not going to happen. Not going to happen because if he does that, he's definitely not going to be getting that fight, uh, getting the win for that fight. 
he's going to need to go above and beyond in his performance in order to take get the win from this guy. Because, like I said, me personally, I think he needs to look for look for anything like things going against him or some kind of fake knockdown that the ref called against him, uh, low blows, things like that. So, that, like I said, the cards are stacked against him. Hopefully, he realizes that that middle aspect of this fight and is able to overcome things that that could that can and will happen to him, things like that. So, but bottom line, it's gonna be a great fight. I mean, because the thing about it, we know Campos is gonna be trying to come in and show up for his hometown, his home country, things like that. And same time. And he has more than more than one compelling reason in order to uh, give a great performance as well. So, with that said, we should great fight coming up next weekend. Yeah, it's gonna be a good little it's gonna be a good little scrap there between George Cambosa Jr. and Devin Handy there for the undisputed lightweight championship. Like I said, it's gonna uh, you got two unbeaten guys. Uh, they are putting their unbeaten records on the line, putting their belts on the line uh, there to you know kind of like uh, say who who's the Who's the uh, champion there? So that's that's going to be um, really a really good scrap. Um, I know that they're having like a whole bunch of uh, uh, Australian and New Zealand guys that are going to be uh, featured in this bout. Um, I think they have one guy that's part of the Haney camp that's also included in this card. Uh, I think that's Samari Jones out there, but. You also will have the Maloney brothers uh, in action in this card, and uh, Junior Far from you know, uh, you know, basically New Zealand uh, as part of this card here against Lucas Brown. So that's that's going to be um, what they have here uh, for the card at Marvel Stadium in uh, Melbourne, Australia. But also uh, they're on June fourth or whatever it is. Um, you're gonna have. The unified bantamweight, super bantamweight title uh, on the line, excuse me, super bantamweight title with the 2021 Boxing Source Fighter of the Year, cool boy Steph, Stephen Fulton, uh, taking on Daniel Ramon, former unified champion himself uh, there. But the WBC and WBO super bantamweight titles will be on the line. Uh, Stephen Fulton is there undefeated, 20-0. and 0. Daniel Ramon with a record of 29 wins, three losses, and one draw. Roman, uh, you know, had his uh, bout against MJ Akhmadaliev, uh, where it looked like the judges put uh, favorite Akhmadaliev in that bout, but a good number of people thought that Roman won that fight. Um, uh, but now he's going up against Stephen Fulton, who claimed that he wanted to have some smoke against Daniel Roman, but Roman was kind of, you know, saying, nah, I ain't want to fight him. I ain't want to quite fight him, you know, at the time. And so, now we basically have this uh, fight here uh, that's going to be in uh, Minnesota. And also the uh, co-feature bout, David Morrell Jr. against Kelvin Henderson in the super middleweight division. David Morrell Jr., of course, undefeated. Uh, you know, kind of like making his home over there in Minnesota. Uh, there going up against Kelvin Henderson, uh, you know, with Henderson um, re- uh, with a record of 15 wins, one loss, and one draw. Uh, and uh, like uh, my uh, brother, uh, boxing academic was saying in reference to the WBA titles, well, this one here is for the WBA World Super Middleweight title. And we know that the super champion is Canelo Alvarez. So super champion, regular champion, you know, tomato, tomato, whatever. That's what it is. Uh, there with um, David Morrell Jr. and 
This is the same David Morrell Jr. that has been calling out former WBC super middleweight champion David Benavidez for some time now. And if David Morrell gets past his fight against Kelvin Henderson, um, I'm seeing that fight being next. David Benavidez versus David Morrell. Um, that's what it's looking like from Benavidez's promoter, uh, Samson Likowitz. And so, hey, that would be a really, really, really good fight, especially if it happens uh, here in 2022. That could be a – talk about a co-feature belt. That would be a co-feature belt for you right there, man. Hey, how good is David Murray? I know he's on he's, – he's, oh. he has a small uh, professional record, but yeah. a big background. But how good is this guy? Oh, oh he's really – yeah, he's really good, man. He's really good. You know, um, you know he's – one of those uh, Cuban standouts, uh, you know, the record that they have posted on there for uh, his amateur career is 29 wins and five losses. You know, um, he's, you know, being like, you know, Cuban national champion, uh, been in the, involved in the World Series of Boxing. So um, he, yeah, he's, you know, very, very, very solid, solid. Uh, fighter there so you know he has you know those six six wins five of those wins by uh way of knockout um he's already had you know the like been through 12 round bouts uh he won the interim title uh back in 2020 and went through 12 rounds for that you know and so he's kind of had these 12 round bouts uh here since his third professional bout you know, and, and he's now going into a seventh professional belt. So, yeah, he, he's, you know, people, you know, see that he's the goods out there. So, and yeah, he, he, yeah, he, he, he's really up there, man, as far as like being a really, really good fighter, especially there in the super middleweight division. Hmm. Yeah, I keep hearing his name. I keep hearing the back and forth that him and Ben and Billy Bins have been going through. Uh, like I said, just haven't seen him actually seen him fight neither. Kind of look him up and uh, just get a, uh, a good sample of who he is and things like that. And what he can do as far as his size compared comparison to the division, things like that. So, yeah. So I mean, he yeah, he's uh pretty good up there. Uh, he had um was a fight against um Alante Fox uh, back in December. Uh, that was like the same day that they had the um the Paul versus Willie two event in Tampa. They had, uh, you know, um, David Morell against Alante's Fox over in the Minneapolis Armory uh, at that same, you know, that same night. So he, this is, you know, pretty much like uh, his home, so to speak, the Minneapolis Armory. And there's, you know, yet another fight there in that same venue against Calvin Henderson. So, uh, but you have the, uh, uh, the main event uh, there as uh, Stephen Fulton there versus Daniel Ramon. So that that's kind of like the... Um, the schedule there for that particular day so it is it's gonna be um gonna be a really uh active weekend so that that's what we are uh looking at here for um this week in, in action uh over there for the sport of boxing uh i know that uh later on uh, after you know the fights between uh, Fulton Ramon, uh, David Morrell, Calvin Henderson, and, and the uh, Cambosis 
versus Haney. You're also going to have like on that following Tuesday, Nioya in a way versus Nonito Denaire uh, in a rematch. So that that's going to be something that's uh, will be, you know, a uh, good number of people that are going to be looking forward to that particular fight. Um, I'll probably get into that a little bit more in the following uh, episode of the Boxing Source Radio Show. So we're going to, you know, kind of like table that for next week. Um, I was hoping to get uh, another person to come on here to speak about his uh, his adventures, <laughs> you know, over to the south. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I think that's going to be table for a later time uh, there. So um, for me, that that's pretty much what I got uh, for this particular episode. Um, you know, anybody uh, have any important thoughts here before I bring this to a close? Yeah, I would, I would say in closing, cool boy Steph, I think this is going to be his second defense of his title, right? Well, it'll be the first time that he uh, defends the unified titles after defeating um, – so so you know, just with that said, hope yeah. he can he just got to have a great performance and get mm-hmm. settled in and and perform like a champion that he is a unified champion things like that. Because at this yeah. point, with two belts, he's definitely the targeted man. So hope he can get settled in and give a great performance off. So there's there's no no chinks in armor whatsoever. Yeah, there is a uh, you know win against Brandon Figueroa Jr. There, you know Brandon Figueroa that um, that's how he became unified champ. Uh, he had the WBO, won the WBC, and now this is going to be his like first defense as a unified uh, WBC and WBO Super Bantamweight champion. So uh, if he does, you know, have a good performance here against Daniel Ramon, who's going to be who's a very good fighter, you know, regardless, uh, that will really kind of like say, hey, this guy here, Stephen Fulton, should be you know considered as one of those guys there, not just in the Super Bantamweight division, but around that weight class where you got 115s, 118s, 122s, 126s. Like, he should be mentioned there as one of those top guys around that weight class. Because, you know, they talk about Ioya Inoue or, or uh, what is it, Chocolatito Gonzalez or Ron Francisco Estrada. Stephen Fulton got to be mentioned there uh, among those names too. So uh, I think he's going to kind of like go out there and kind of like show that he has that uh, type of ability to be one of those better fighters there in those weight classes. Um, but with, with that being said, like that would kind of like bring the close to this particular episode of the Boxing Source Radio Show. We'll follow it up uh, here with another show uh, going up next week, uh, pretty much around you know the same time frame uh, or whatever it is live. Uh, but y'all be able to, uh, if you have it, uh, listen to it live and catch it uh, through iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Whatever you use for your podcast apps, so there, Anchor.fm or whatever it is. Uh, but like I say at the end of every show, folks, the point of bison is to hit and not get hit. Not to stay in the trade. On that note, folks, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody. All right, later.